I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to another Wednesday Roundtable episode of The Athletic Hockey Show. I'm Jesse Granger, filling in as host for Rob Pizzo, who is on Olympic duty for the CBC. Hello to Sarah Sivian out in Raleigh. How's it going, Sarah? Um, it's going great. Bad news for everybody that reviews this podcast and says that they hate my voice because I just got back from Miami, so it's going to get worse. Well, how are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> and we've got today we've got special guest, uh, Sean Shapiro. He's sports business reporter for The Athletic, and he's joining us from Michigan. How's it going? It's good. I just finished up an immaculate peanut butter and jelly sandwich, so it's a uh, it's a good day. Nice, nice. Sarah's in in Miami. <laughs> I was <laughs> mentally still though. Not as exciting as a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for Sean. No, no this this is this is this is a uh, I'm on my dog's barking even to give everyone or try growling to give everyone an alert to that. But yes, this is immaculate peanut butter and jelly sandwich, triple decker. Um, <laughs> Two pieces of white bread, a piece of raisin toast in the middle, Ooh. peanut butter on both pieces of white bread, and then jelly on the raisin toast. So you get kind of the peanut butter outside and the crunch, and then you get the raisins added in the middle. So I had no idea that there were this that that, that you could even make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich <laughs> with that much complexion. There are many things to do with a PB and J, Jesse. There's a whole Parthenon of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that. Uh, when you have children, you learn about how to make PB and J's very interesting. Fantastic, fantastic! All right. So, aside from expert PB and J making, today we are going to discuss a couple player safety incidents. Last night, uh, it was a busy night in the NHL for the player safety. Uh, they're they're going to be busy today with some meetings. We've also got uh, Tuka Rask retiring after a brief return. Uh, Jack Eichel is back almost. Um, Commissioner Gary Bettman spoke here in Vegas. Uh, Sean and I were at that press conference. He kind of gave a state of the franchise. We talked about a bunch of topics that we're going to go over. And Rod Brendamore says the Florida Panthers are a juggernaut of a team. Um, it's really fun to see what they're doing down there. So we're going to start with what happened last night. I don't know if you guys were watching the games, but uh, we had two different incidents. We'll start with the Brad Marchand incident, just because I feel like it was the one that more people saw and, and drew the most attention. So Brad Marchand, <laughs> it started early before the game when Tristan Jari was just trying to flip a puck to a fan um, on his stick and Marchand being Brad Marchand skates by and knocks the puck out of his stick and does not allow him to give it to a fan. I feel like those two were kind of chirping throughout the night and then it ends with Brad Marchand punching Tristan Jari in his goalie mask and then getting him with his stick up high as the referees were trying to to get him away. What did you see from this Sarah? I feel like Marchand got Marchand like he never well I don't know if never but he rarely loses his cool after like the first event was funny, like no soup for you for the kid. But then obviously it wasn't good what he did at the end. Like you don't really mess with the goalie. Everybody knows that. But I, I don't know. Let's get it. You guys are both goalies. So let's get a perspective from Sean Shapiro on that one. Yeah. To me, I mean, it's the, the punch itself is bad, but to me it's the stick 
swinging incident that makes that puts the cherry on the top and makes this both certainly suspension worthy and it looks like it's going to be five plus games with the option for the in-person hearing so to me it's the stick swinging part that goes that goes above and beyond that makes this worse i mean the shoving the pushing you can, that's bad but that happens and the other, the other thing too that I think we can't, uh, that's hilarious to me about all of this is why does the linesman take him in that path? Like right. when the linesman oh is escorting God, him yeah. away, why is the linesman take him in the direct path in front of the crease when there is literally 200 feet in the opposite direction to try to escort him away? And he literally takes him in front of the crease and puts and helps escalate it even further. So, um, yeah, it was bad. The stick swinging is to me is really the thing that. I'm sure they'll look at the most and is the suspension worthy part because that part is uh Jari wasn't hurt or anything like that, but you, you start dealing with sticks and faces and everything and there's a recipe for disaster. Right. I completely agree with both of you. I think you're right that this in, in hockey kind of, that's where the line is drawn. Like you can do a lot of stuff after whistles. Just don't use your stick <laughs> to, to at, at, in any way against the other players and especially a goalie like Sarah. I thought to me, the, the best part about this is what Sarah said is Brad Marchand getting Brad Marchand. He is so good at getting under people's skin and he thought he was going to win that battle. And like, obviously he started it with the not letting Jari give the puck to the kid and Jari, we don't know what was said during the game. Oh my gosh. Would I love to have a mic on Tristan Jari to hear the things he was telling Brad Marchand in order to get him that angry. I guess we'll find out in a documentary or something in 20 years <laughs> right so as the uh do you think do you think behind the b mic'd up tristan jari for this <laughs> oh my god they are extensive with their things so maybe <laughs> that would be beautiful so as as uh, sean said he's got an in-person hearing via zoom today which suggests uh, a heavier suspension uh, marcus feligno of the wild he has a, a phone interview today with department of player safety so maybe not as bad but he he got in a fight with uh, Winnipeg's Adam Lowry midway through the third period last night. It was actually Feligno's second fight of the game. And Felino dropped a knee on Lowry's face. It's kind of hard to see from the angles. I, I watched like three different angles. It's kind of hard to see exactly what's happening. But I watch a lot of UFC and mixed martial arts. And it's illegal to knee someone in the face in the UFC when you're on the ground like that. So doing it in on a hockey rink with skates with blades on your feet seems incredibly dangerous. Um, what do you expect to come out of this one, Sarah? Yeah, at least a few games. I'd say more than one. Um, I don't know, five, but maybe three. <laughs> that, that's my guess. I feel like everybody lost their cool last night. Like it's fine to fight and then kind of going beyond it. I don't know, Sean, what's your what's your take? I feel like you have good predictions for how many suspensions there will be. I think the I think the call is going to be all about intent. I bet Felino's Felino's perspective is all going to be about this wasn't an intentional thing. This was something where it was a slipping and my body motion took me that way. Um, it's going to be a real interesting kind of precedent thing, right? Because oftentimes we see with suspensions, it's something during the play where we can and we hear the voiceover. This is tripping. Like there, there's like this is this is during a fight. This is the league actually having to go in and break down what happens in a fight as opposed to someone mean during the course of play. And so um, three is probably I mean, I would probably set the over under at that three. I think that's probably a fair line of where this goes. And I bet Felino's argument will be this wasn't intentional. I was losing my momentum going forward. Um, and there'll be a big discussion about what intent was. Um, and then at the same time, though, if you're the league, whether you think it's intention, intention, intent can add, but it can't get rid of it completely. Um, it's just like if you get into a, if you get into a car accident, and rear end someone, you didn't mean to do it, but you still have to pay the traffic fine or to fix the other person's car or whatever. So um, I, I, it's going to be Felino's lawyer skills of uh, debating of what intent means and everything like that. And Zapruder filming and breaking it down on both sides would be a fascinating, once again, uh, documentary if anyone was allowed to get access to that. Yeah, the only the only thing I can think of is so last season during the playoffs uh, between the the series between the Golden Knights and the Avalanche, Ryan Reeves put his knee on Ryan Graves' head, um, and and it wasn't like a knee, like a forceful like 
contact with the knee. It was more of just like a hold you there. And he did get suspended. But what was weird was when the player safety came out with the video, you know how they do explaining the suspension. They they actually didn't really mention the kneeing. They mentioned the fact that he ripped out a chunk of Ryan Graves hair, like ripped it out of his head. So that was actually what he ended up getting suspended for. But he did get suspended in the playoffs for an incident that looked kind of similar to this. So um, obviously, playoff games are kind of weighted a lot heavier than regular season games. So that was to me, that would suggest he's definitely getting one for here. It's a little bit different, but it's the only thing I could think of that's kind of relating to that. To me, the thing that both of these that's interesting is the, uh, and it goes into the flaw of how we suspend players and, or how we have a league and player safety suspends no, players. You're doing the suspension, it, I heard. Exactly. It's all my fault. I'm suspending people. Um, we worry about the injury too much. It's something where if, um, like these are both incidents that went to the point of there was without injury, they're suspendable, discussable events. But how oftentimes do we see something where a player doesn't get hurt? And if, and if that player didn't get hurt, the league would probably never look at it. And so it, it's, it's an interest, like the, the Reeves one, I'm, I'm the, one, the Reeves one you bring up. I look back on that. I'm trying to remember whether they considered pulling hair out as an injury or not. Like, I, I don't know if right. that counted as like, well, you removed part of his human. So it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's an injury. So there's no injury involved with either of these. Um, I, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see where it plays out. I, I bet obviously Marchand's gonna get more. Um, the kneeing during a fight, just how they're gonna have to break it down is it's gonna be that one's gonna be the video, the suspension video that you're like, I kinda wanna see this because do we go to replays of the of the knee drop and everything? Right. <laughs> I'm ready to get mad online. I don't trust them. <laughs> yeah. Sarah's got the fingers ready yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I need to go. All right. Well, uh, let's let's go on to our next topic, which is Tukarask. Um, I was pretty excited for him coming back. He didn't last long. Um, he it's there are reports now coming out that it's looking like he's going to retire. Uh, his surgically repaired hip is not healing the way I guess he thought it was going to. He if if he does retire, which it looks like he's going to, he'll retire as the winningest goalie in Bruins franchise history. Although he didn't win a cup as a starter, he did lose two in 2013 against Chicago and 2019 against St. Louis. But he was on the bench uh, behind Tim Thomas for that cup before that. Um, I think his legacy, I guess, in Boston will be kind of mixed. Um, what are your thoughts when you when you heard the news that maybe this re- this comeback isn't going to happen, Sarah? I feel like between Shara getting leaving Boston and this happening, my childhood's officially over. Um, I obviously watched Tuka growing up in Boston. Um, he, yeah, mixed legacy, but you cannot deny he was a great goaltender. And I think for sure in Boston, we like to give you a hard time until you're done. And I think it's going to be a great celebration of Tuca. I mean, you saw when he came back and everybody's chanting, we want Tuca. It's really sad mm. that this is happening this way. Sarah can obviously speak more to the, the, the Bostonian reaction, everything like that. But I think Tuca's career is going to be the encapsulation of what's wrong with how we view goalies, honestly. Like so often we go through and we look at goalies who we go through and we look at careers and goalies are always get the most praise or the most blame. And so if you yeah. win the cup as a starter, you automatically get put into this echelon of this echelon where you're going to continue to get more chances as a player. You're going to continue to get praise. And if you never win a cup, you're going to be always, it's easy to point the finger at one guy of this was the missed connection. This was the reason the Bruins didn't win those Stanley cups when he was in net, because if only he had outplayed the other guy. So it's Tuka Rask's career, like tremendous career. Um, Brenda's career, someone who should be honored by the Bruins after his career is over and everything like that. But it's it's a perfect image of this is why goaltending can be such a cruel position where Tuka Rask, he won the Stanley Cup as a backup, much better goalie than um, uh, what's his face now? Uh, Matt Murray. Matt Murray is in Ottawa and is going on a much worse career path, but will always be known as two-time right. Stanley Cup starting goalie, Matt Murray. It's, it's the type of thing where it's just like in football, Think about all the quarterbacks that are kind of mm. mediocre in one Super Bowl, so now have TV gigs. Like you right. win a Super Bowl, you win a Super Bowl as a as a starting quarterback, it opens so many doors. Same thing with the starting goalie world in the NHL, where it puts you on this pedestal that oh, you're a winner, and and when it's a team game, but and unfortunately for Tuka Rask's overall legacy, it's always going to be seen as ah, he wasn't the ultimate winner because he didn't 
he wasn't the starter when they won a cup. I will say, I don't think he cares. Like the more oh, I, yeah, I talk yeah. to him, he had such a uniquely perfect attitude to kind of deal with all the criticism. And he just would always say, love the Boston fans, love the passion. And he would mean it in his finished way. I do have a story. Yeah. Uh, I was in an elevator, the media elevator with him going down and some random guy happened to get in it. And he was like, Tuka, F the haters. And Tuka just <laughs> winked at him. <laughs> like... <laughs> Damn, that is a Boston story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was, nobody even flinched, including Tuca, in, in the elevator. And Tuca just winked and nodded. So he, he has the most incredible accent of all time because he's a Finn who learned to speak English in Boston. Like his accent. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah. like it is a Finn with a Boston accent. No one in the world speaks like Tuca Rask. Like, That's phenomenal. That is such a good point. He, he, but like to your point, though, he's been so good. And like to me, when I see this news, kind of just looking forward, um, I mean, the Bruins, they've got the 27th best save percentage in the NHL this year. Like it has not been good. That team, you look at their their lineup and you think, OK, cup contender, like or at least a team that can for sure make a deep playoff run. I'm not so sure. I mean, the only teams with worse save percentage this season are Montreal, Arizona, Columbus, New Jersey, and Seattle. So basically the bottom of the barrel. And if you're a team trying to compete for a Stanley Cup, it doesn't matter how good your perfection line is. It doesn't matter how good McAvoy is on defense. If your goal tending isn't good in the back, you're not going to get there. For me, if I'm Boston, man, I'm starting to look at that. Uh, the athletics uh, trade deadline big board. We've got Marc-Andre <laughs> Fleury, Semyon Verlamov, Jonathan Quick. One of those guys has got to end up in Boston by the, by, by the trade deadline, right? Right? Or, or or the uh, Anton Hudobin reunion, too. Oh, <laughs> that yeah, I mean, that's the cheaper. That's definitely the the yeah, like discount but you, but you, version. But you look at the lightning in a bottle type example. Yeah. The guy who's going to be more on the cheap. A guy who two years ago, when the Stars went to the Cup final, kind of caught that lightning in a bottle as a career backup who went that way. Um, he could be the if you're looking for the clear starter. Obviously, you're trying to get Flurry and everything like that. But if it comes down to what's the most cost effective, and then we go into the playoffs with maybe bringing in Hudobin lights something for either Swayman or Olmark, or maybe it's Hudobin. Maybe that's kind of the wild card you bring in to uh, try and find a solution there for, uh, for for the for the Bruins. And obviously, Hudobin has a history in Boston, and and, and could it could be it could be a good fit. So. And I feel like Don Sweeney's always in on kind of the big names at the trade deadline, though. But do they even have a first another first rounder to give up at this point? So I don't know if they're going to afford someone like Flurry. Right. That's the issue is not only do they have the, the pieces to move for one of those, but also the salary cap. I mean, every like this trade deadline, I feel like every trade we talk about, every potential thing we talk about, it's all salary cap just because so many teams are pressed against the salary cap. It's going to be tough to fit. And uh, speaking of teams pressed against the salary cap, um, Jack Eichel has been practicing with the Golden Knights. Yesterday, he was out of his no contact jersey for the first time. He's been cleared for contact, which suggests he's getting close to return. But the, the Golden Knights are $10 million over the salary cap right now um, with all their players, uh, if they were healthy. Obviously, Alec Martinez still on LTIR. That's that's $5 million. And then Jack Eichel, uh, $10 million contract with those two. That would put them at about $91.5 million, way, way over the cap. But... I mean, the Golden Knights are going to have to make some ridiculous move. Like they're going to have to do some serious, serious cap shedding to get Jack Eichel on the ice. But man, watching this team, so they, they they're finally pretty much healthy right now. Now Zach Whitecloud and Alec Martinez are both out. That's two top four defensemen. So not all the way healthy, but they've got Pacioretty and Stone and Stevenson and Carlson and Smith and Marcia So and Dodonov all back in the lineup. Petrangelo and Theodore are playing well. I watched them absolutely eviscerate the Oilers last night, four to nothing. And to take a team that's that good, they're they're coming off back-to-back conference final appearances and you add in Jack Eichel, um, one of the best players in the entire league. Uh, how excited, I guess, Sean, I'll start with you. How excited are you to see what this can be? We don't see this very often in the NHL where a, a superstar like this gets added like to an already contending team. Yeah, it, the interesting thing, it's it's going to be, once it all comes in, the first question is going to be, how is it going to fit right away? And then how is it going to fit financially? It's going to be absolutely fascinating because I, like the team, the thing on the ice, if you go video game world, this is, fun this is a great dynamic team it's fun they play a style it's up and down you want to watch them and but how are you going to make it work because <laughs> as you said 10 million dollars over the cap you're going to have to do something pretty dramatic to get it done and if you're vegas like vegas has 
the Golden Knight, I mean, one thing about the Golden Knights that way, I don't even know if we talk about it enough. Maybe they do in Vegas. You can tell me whether I'm right or wrong, Jesse. But um, everyone kind of goes, oh, the Vegas got, Vegas got the expansion draft perk. That's not what happened. Vegas, George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon have aggressively used the cap more than any general manager in NHL history. How, they played what? Down a forward seven times last year? You would, Or they played down even a Even more skater than that, yeah. yeah. They played yeah, mul- so, down multiple skaters, I think, seven times. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah they are. They basically said I, they said basically said F it. We're, we we're if there's no cap in the playoffs, so we're gonna do it. Um, but to to get this done, is it gonna be another situation like Mark Andre Fleury or Ryan Reeves to extent where someone who was part of the beloved Vegas core has to get let out? And for me, I just wonder. William Carlson's numbers are not the William Carlson from a couple of years ago. And I wonder if all of a sudden William Carlson's getting moved because, well, Jack Eichel's the shinier new toy here who can take his spot. Vegas is like the fire festival of the NHL. If the fire festival actually happened, like if they yes, pulled it off, I feel like they're always saying, we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. We'll just let us handle it. And I mean, Let's see what they what they do, Jesse. What do we think they yeah. can do? Yeah, I mean, it's so so. When you hear ten million, it seems they don't actually have to trade ten million dollars worth of players yeah. because they signed a bunch of guys earlier in the year off waivers: uh, Michael Amadio, Ben Hutton, um, uh, blank on oh, Adam Brooks, and they're going to probably waive all those guys or or at least waive the equivalents to get down to the twenty three man roster. Um, and then that'll they're they're probably going to have to trade about six million. And and you mentioned William Carlson, and I think a lot of people out here are thinking that just because the center depth is so good in Vegas right now. But I don't know, like I don't know how much sway Pete DeBoer has on it. I do know that I do know that Pete DeBoer loves William Carlson and Riley Smith. And those are the two guys that I think Riley Smith obviously is an up a pending UFA, so they could lose him this summer. So he would make sense to move. Um but I think if Pete DeBoer has any say in it, those two guys aren't going. Um he's they may not be scoring in the in the at the pace that people want, but they are two players that like they play the most minutes. They're Number one PK, number one power play. He sends them over the boards, whether they're up a goal, down a goal in the final minute. Like those are his guys. So, but you have to trade someone. So it's like Evgeny Dodonov, maybe he's a guy that they brought in. He makes the same amount of salary as Marcia So and Smith and Carlson. Basically, they're all around five million. Um, Alec Martinez, who just signed a brand new deal. I mean, this is what the Golden Knights have done, though. Like you sign a new deal with the Golden Knights, you think like, all right, settling down. No, not so much. You're going to get traded in like six months. Um, <laughs> that's, that's just how things have been here. Enjoy your stay. Hit the casino. Go home. <laughs> let me let me ask you this, Jesse. As someone who covers Vegas and sees them up front, would you rather lose Jonathan Marshall or Riley Smith or both Chandler Stevenson and Matthias Yanmark? Wait, sorry. One so of you either you either lose one of Riley Smith or Jonathan or uh, not Jonathan uh, Riley Smith or Jonathan Marshall, or both Chandler Stevenson and Matthias Yanmark. I'm doing math. I'm doing I'm doing paper yeah. math here and trying to figure it out. So you're losing one player at five million, or you're losing two guys that make around four point seven five, who are also both part of that Vegas plays fast, Vegas gets up tempo, yeah. part of the penalty kill. You see Vegas all the time. <laughs> what would be your because I don't think Dadanov has much of a market. Personally, like I look at right. Dadanov, I think if you're if someone comes saying, Dadanov, I'm gonna have I'm going to ask you to retain salary and Vegas doesn't need you to retain salary. Vegas can't right. retain salary. Right, they would probably have to pay. Yeah, they would probably have to pay a pick to unload Dadnov's contract yeah, at this yeah. point. Um man, that's yeah. you I mean you you picked a good this or that because it's really tough. Like that's a tough call. Because I think losing Marcheseau or Smith is like those are such key pieces, but man, Stevenson Stevenson has played way above his his salary. And like when you're a team like the Golden Knights who's cap strapped and you're just looking for like every dollar matters, when you've got a guy like Chandler Stevenson, he literally leads the team in points and the guy's making like $3 million a year, like you're less than $3 him. million. He's, he is like such a good yeah. value, overproducing way over what you're paying him. That's almost like an untouchable piece for a team in the Golden Knights situation. So like... Like I said, if it was me, I'm trying to, I'm going all in. Like they're already all in. I'm going even further in. Like my chips are in the fr- middle of the table. I'm like taking my, my wallet out and like my, I'm mortgaging my house. 
I'm trading all the ancillary pieces. I'm trading Matthias Janmark. I'm trading a backup goalie, Laurent Rissois, who makes more than the average backup goalie. I'll just take the AHL guy. I'll take Logan Thompson at the NHL minimum. I'm trading as many ancillary pieces as I can, and that's probably going to hurt you down the road because you may lose Riley Smith also next summer. But to me, if I'm the Golden Knights, it's like, let's just do this. Like, let's, let's try it. We're already all in. I would try to keep those main, like those, those golden misfits pieces, Marsha, so Carlson Smith, I would try to keep them all. I'm sure they will. They'll figure out a way. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and if Vegas does keep all those players, uh, they're, they're, they're looking like a juggernaut, but we may have a team that is already a juggernaut, according to uh, Hurricanes coach Rod Brendamore, uh, who obviously Sarah knows well down in Never Carolina. He called the Florida Panthers a juggernaut <laughs> team the other day. What did, what did you think when you heard that, Sarah? Uh, they've been beating the Canes. Like the Canes have been really good against high level opponents, except the like they are struggling to solve the Panthers and they just keep coming at you line by line. Like I was looking at their top scorers. They score so much and then they've got their depth scoring a lot. And then when the goaltending's good, the goaltending's good. It's like they have everything and you really need everything this year. Yeah. I mean, they, they lead the league in, in, even strength goal share. I was looking at it the That's other insane. day and it's like they've outscored just at even strength. They've outscored the opposition 134 to 88. Um, that's more than 60% of the goals at five on five, which is like at, Sarah covers the team that is the masters of this, like for the last few mm-hmm. years and like 60% is an insane number to have. They have been so good. Sean, what do you see when you watch Florida? I see a roster that is built. Like we talk about like the modern day, like, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but I'm going to, I'm going to just my point. It's a team that's built to be in the modern day dynasty echelon. Just seriously, just when you look at the makeup of the team, there is only forward above 30 is Joe Thornton. Enti- every forward on the roster is under 30 years old, other than the 42 year old. So Joe Thornton will be replaced, but this is a team that, and, and you look at their, their salaries going forward. You don't really have Lundell's going to, I mean, even, you got young guys contributing in their ELCs already. Um, you look at how it's this Bobrovsky team is, is the only one. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Bobrovsky contract is <laughs> it's starting to turn around. But um, right. the uh, but the you look at how this team is built. You look at the forward core. You look at the age, even the defense core. Like the oldest defense. I mean, Radko Gudas is thirty one, but Aaron Ekblad is still only twenty six, even though he looks like he's forty five. And the uh, and, and you go and you have this entire core that's still that's so young and building and they're not just a cup contender this year. They're a team where we're going to be talking about the Florida Panthers for the next four to five years. And so juggernaut is completely fine when you're talking about this team is the makings of Florida and Tampa are going to be, there's going to be a lot of conference finals held in the state of Florida over the next four to five years. That first line might be the best first line in hockey right now. It's just oh, yeah. insane. Yeah, and and I agree. Like they they're gonna go as far as the goaltending takes them, and like that's like that can be taken as a negative, but also like Sergei Bobrovsky when he's on. There's not many people in the world that are better at stopping pucks than that guy. Like when he's on, if the if that guy plays his best in the playoffs, good luck to the rest of the NHL in beating that team. And I think it's good that they don't revolve around the defense, this team. So it kind of gives them a cushion if things go awry. And and to Sean's point about a juggernaut, like, or, or a dynasty, like, Bobrovsky is is great, and and he when he's at his best, he's one of the best in the league. And then they've got Spencer Knight right behind him, who's like right, nipping at his heels, just like like yeah, Bob. And that contract's not great, but also they've got this super young goalie who makes nothing, who's just kind of almost ready to take over. Like they're they really are building for the long term. Awesome. Well, good stuff, guys. Uh, we're gonna send it to break, and when we come back after the break, we'll discuss Sean's reporting here in Vegas on the craziness that is the Arizona Coyotes arena deal and. His NHL player agent poll that he conducted, I found it fascinating. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry... 
and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. All right, Sean. So you got to spend the week in Vegas with me. I hope you had fun. Um, there was a lot going on here. You you were doing AHL arena tours. You were obviously the all-star game, but also... Uh, Gary Bettman's big time uh, press conference here. Of all the stuff you got to work on this week, the thing that I found the, the the coolest, at least, was the NHL player agent poll. We do a lot of player polls, and and these guys can can really open up sometimes, but then there's also times where they don't want to, and I feel like uh, someone can kind of be the conduit for them. And the agents really opened up to you in this piece. Um, I guess what what stood out to you about uh, when you were conducting this poll? Yeah, it's kind of the concept of the whole thing came together where like we've done player polls in the past and anytime you would ask a player anything business CBA PA related, we always got the generic, well, I have an agent for that. And so I figured we just go and cast the agents to that. Um, I don't know why that was my voice for an NHL <laughs> player. That was very weird. <laughs> <laughs> that was very weird. Um, <laughs> anywho, the... To me, I wanted to, I also, from the perspective of the agents, we talked to players about, hey, this, what do you think about this city, that city, and everything like that. But no player has ever played for all 32 NHL franchises. Agents are the only people who really see the, per who have ever really dealt with a personal side of all 32 franchises. So I thought it was a really good way to kind of look at and jump into how all the different franchises are run, how they're how, how their ownership works, how things work, how, how players are treated, things along those lines. And then, and then also just to kind of ask some of the questions that players have deferred on in the past. Like, what do you think of how players are treated health-wise? What do you think of things as far as revenue go? And it was, some of the answers came back as expected. Um, some of them surprised me. Um, I'll, I guess I'll, I, I'll flip it to you guys real quick, just as people who saw it first without having worked on the background, what stood out to you as something of, this was something that was a highlight or a low light or whatever. Low lights are fine too. The thing I found, like the, the part that I was most interested in was the, the first two polls in the story, which were if, all, if money is equal, your, your client's making the same amount of money no matter what, which franchises would you steer them to and which franchises would you steer them away from? Um, the, the, we'll start with the positives, the, the franchises they would steer them to. I think Tampa Bay is an obvious one. They've got the no income tax. They win all the time. They've got such a great like outside perspective of their culture. But then you get Toronto and Philly. We're the next two. And I feel like when I hear players complain about like the media scrutiny and the fan scrutiny, like Toronto and, and Philly are like the two worst ones. You like, were you surprised that, that those were on the list? Um, I was uh, not surprised when it, I was... I didn't expect, I expected Toronto to be on there because the Maple Leafs do spend, they have the financial muscle and they spend. Um, the Toronto Marlies probably have better facilities than five or six NHL teams. And so when you're yeah. talking about the financial muscle, the Maple Leafs flex, yes, you want to play, you, you go play there. And it's, and so Toronto being on there didn't surprise me. Philly didn't surprise me, but I didn't expect it to be on there. I'll, I'll say that about Philadelphia. Philadelphia was a franchise that if they, I, I went in expecting Tampa, I went expecting Toronto. Um, and then when Philly was, was mentioned a couple times, it was interesting to hear the perspective of how it was brought up of Philly for decades, even before the current ownership group has a reputation for treating players the right way. While the fan base is, is, is very, <laughs> um, Philly. Very, dri very driven, passionate. Um, <laughs> the uh, they they they. If you win there, you're a god. A right. And B, if you're but from within the team itself, players get treated. I think there's so many little things we forget that go into the human side. Um, one thing a lot of agents brought up was you look at what is the space like for the players' wives. What is the space like for their families? Um, things like that, where these are the other 
these people are also so important to the player's daily livelihood. How are you treating them? The one story that's even in the piece is just someone brought up to me how when a guy gets called up to the NHL and you play an NHL game, and I don't think a lot of people know this, you're not entitled to an NHL jersey. Like if you like you play an NHL game, you don't get an NHL jersey. That's not automatic. Like you don't get your game worn jersey. You don't get that. That's something there's nothing in the CBA that uh, says you get that. But the Flyers have always been good about if you're that 4A guy that gets called up for the first time, you're getting your game jersey and they'll help your kids find a Flyers jersey with your name. on. Like little things like that, that go an extremely long way. And a fan base, as much as people like, oh, media scrutiny, whatever. If you win there, it, you're a god. And isn't it nice to play in a place where people care? Like, just yeah. seriously, it's like as much as people may be yelling about what you did on the penalty kill last night, at least they cared about what you did on the penalty kill last night. And it's not like Canada. Like, there's a football team and a basketball team. Mm-hmm. There's It's a little bit different. And, For and sure. Philly's, and Philly's interesting, too, just from a perspective of it's – you have – Philly is so homegrown. It's not really much of a transplant city. People really live in Philly, born in Philly and live in Philly and stay there pretty much their entire lives. And so you have a lifelong fandom there that just really wants to win. And it's not nearly as much of a, you you don't have, you don't have other, you're not going to have another team take over the building. You don't have like, there's a lot of places where you have people who are, I'm a fan of this team but when my original team comes to town, I'll go there. There's nothing really like that in Philly. It's a Flyers town. It's through and through. You know, there's only one person that used to play for the um, Flyers that they've never, the fans never boo when he comes in. Can you guess who it is? No idea. Rod Brindamore. <laughs> just a little Guys trivia likeable. for everybody. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's ta- just watching him talk at All-Star Week. This like It's hard not to like yeah, Rod Brindamore. Like, he's just, yeah. he's a very likable guy personality mm-hmm. so so those surprises weren't that big when i'm looking at the negatives you you see uh, the the team the, the teams that the agent might steer his client away from you see arizona and ottawa and there are obvious reasons for both of those sarah how surprised were you when you saw the third team on that list <laughs> i mean i uh <laughs> it has nothing to do with the fans i i do think it's funny from an agent perspective, the agents hate dealing with Tom Dundon. They hate him. Like <laughs> from the agents I've talked to, it's very much like a personal thing to some degree, but it's also, that means he's somewhat good at his job, right? And that means that the Canes ownership and GMs are good at their job because they kind of can finesse a lot of money out of people. So I don't think if you're going to the Canes, you're going to make money. <laughs> you're like, you're not as long if you went somewhere else. Is that what kind of you heard, Sean, when talking to the agents about this? Yeah, Tom Dundon has a reputation. That's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty well known out there. The one concern that was interesting, and this was kind of, there's just so much in there that didn't end up in the story. The one thing, because agents pay attention to the, to news events and around the world and everything like that. And so the one thing that kind of did pop just as a point of warning and there's, it's, they're really players are protected from this happening in the NHL, but um, a lot of agents looked at what happened with Tom Dundon, that football league, the uh, AAF or whatever it is, how he bought it um, and it, it folded and the players were from all reports out there. And I don't know the full facts of that matter so we'll have to you'll have to go to the athletic football show or whatever to if we have one of those <laughs> to uh, to go to go to, to go hear people talk about that football league but uh the players got left out in the cold and agents notice that um they also look at there's things where they know dundon is willing to spend on salary but he has he has a reputation for being more cost cutting and being a little bit around on the cheap on the other things around the team and those are the and those are the type of things where agents kind of pointed to that where spending one of the most interesting things about this poll to me and it's something where I always kind of I kind of laugh because I saw some people like of course people took pictures of the poll and said oh my team's not on here why and then people responded like oh our owner's great he spends to the cap every owner spends to the cap yeah news right. news break every <laughs> owner spends to the cap there's no big deal about spending to the cap so if if a team spends to the cap if they don't spend to the cap that's 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 a terrible owner but every owner spends to the cap so it's all about the other things and where you spend that other money and tom's got a reputation of he's going to trim the fat around on the, on those sides and 
that's something that can be a little bit worrisome for an agent. Um, I think it's gonna, it's one of those matters, though, where it'll be interesting to see this exercise we did it four or five years from now, because if Carolina is wins a cup in the next four or five years, if they continue to grow, obviously, they got the outdoor game next year, things continue to grow, maybe reputations change. It's just Tom is different than most NHL owners. And when someone's different, they're scary. And so right now, until people are used to dealing with Tom, um, he's going to be kind of scared and be people are going to be scared of him. So it's going to, it's, I'm interested to see how this evolves over time with Tom Dundon. Yeah, me too. For sure. And, and the team that was on the top of that list that agents will dissuade their players from playing. It was pretty overwhelming uh, along the top. And that was Arizona. And that may have something to do with agents not wanting their players to play in a college arena in front of 5,000 people. Um, I don't know what the timing of this uh, poll, it may, it may have, that may have been <laughs> pulled before that came out, but that was one of the topics that Gary Bettman was asked quite a bit about uh, here in Vegas was the Arizona Coyotes arena situation. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from the, 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 the things mentioned by Gary Bettman and just what's going on in Arizona? Uh, well, the things mentioned by Gary. Okay. Um, well, from things going on in Arizona, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like we're at this situation where an NHL franchise is, has determined that the best case scenario is to be a tenant in a division one arena to be at the second hockey team and to play in a spot where it's okay to build a $20 million building that you're just going to give up in four years. Um, to if, if your plan for the Tempe arena goes, but it's, it's a very sad state of the franchise. If that is what you're, what your base case scenario is just, just truthfully. Um, the coyotes, it's the coyotes have obviously been the center of relocation rumors and everything for like that for years. And it just feels like we're now reaching that, that final flashpoint of this Tempe, Arizona, this Tempe arena, not Tempe arena, sorry, the Arizona state arena. It's going to happen. Like next year, the coyotes are going to play in a 5,000 seat arena. It's the, the, they're done with Glendale. Glendale's done with them. They have nowhere else to go in Arizona. So they're going to play next. And, and moving the team is not as simple as like, oh, let's move this team over here. That's not going to happen. So the Coyotes will be in Arizona next year playing in playing as the second team to the Sun Devils. Whenever you watch a Coyotes game on TV, you'll see an Arizona State logo on the center of the ice. It's a great deal for Arizona State. They're coming right. out like they're coming out gangbusters on here. They're getting million dollars of marketing, free millions of dollars of marketing. Anytime a national TV game goes to Arizona, TNT, ESPN. Arizona State Center Ice. It's it, and on top of that, they're getting a twenty million dollar addition to their building that they don't have to pay for. Great for Arizona State. Not really great for the NHL. So it's uh, it's an absolute and, joke if you ask me. Yes. Like, can you imagine yes. the Canes playing at Duke, like or a basketball? That's on a comparison. Like a basketball team playing in a college arena. Like that just would never happen. Yeah, it's 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 an, it's an it's embarrassing for the NHL for this to happen to get come to this point and. Gary Bettman in his public comments has stayed steadfast and committed to Arizona. And he has been committed 10 years. He's been committed to Arizona for more than a decade now. So it doesn't surprise me at all that he's continuing to take this stance. It's And un, unless you get to a spot where, unless you get to a spot where Gary's bosses and everyone thinks about Gary as the big bad guy, but really Gary works for the owners. And so until right. other owners come and say, Gary, this doesn't work. We need we need to move on. We we this can't work. Until other owners do it, this is gonna this is gonna be the situation. And who knows if they get the arena in Tempe? Maybe, but it's it's a mess. I want Arizona to make the Stanley Cup final so badly, so badly. There's nothing I want more in life than Arizona to host the Stanley Cup final at ASU. That would just be so perfect. Um, but but like the question I had for you, Sean, is. Gary is so optimistic and like that's outwardly to us. We don't know what's going on. Like he has to be outwardly optimistic to us, but like he genuine, he seems to genuinely believe that like if they get the the arena in the right side of town over in Tempe, this market does work. Like how convinced are you everything you've looked at, everyone you've talked to, how convinced are you that Gary's right, that this market can work if things work out well for it? But it could work. Like I'm, I'm not disagreeing that it can't work. I mean, if you got it into, if you got it in the right spot, if you got it into Tempe, and I, I'm not disagreeing that it would work there. Just the biggest issue is, is, is that even a reality? Like that, right. that's that to me is the biggest issue. Like hockey can work. 
Pikey can work in most places. It's it it's really comes down to are you winning? And can I mean you're both in like you're both in markets and I used to work in Dallas where those markets are not quote unquote traditional hockey markets, but they're markets where people where teams can continue to make money, the teams continue to to have a fan base, the teams continue to grow and everything like that. So it can work in Arizona if they get into the right spot and and, and start winning, but it just the biggest issue is, are you even going to get that building? There's no certainty you're going to get that building. And and one of the things that I was, I laughed at of like, I had, and I, I really feel for Coyotes fans. Like if you're a dedicated Coyotes fan listening to this, please know I don't, I don't hate you. <laughs> I, I have nothing against Coyotes fans. I would love to be able to wave a magic wand and for you to be able to have your team in a, in a good situation. But if you're in a spot where, one of the kind of people comps people made is like, oh, the Calgary Flames played in a 6,000-person arena before the Saddle Dome was built. That was in the early 1980s when NHL revenues were really low and there was a building with shovels on the ground already. And when you're talking about a league where players owed a billion dollars in debt coming into this season and the players have to pay back that debt by hockey-related revenue going up. And if you're the NHLPA, you got to start looking at that as like, how are we going to... Player salaries... By the end, player salaries over the next three to four years are going to be lowered by the Coyotes playing in Arizona on all teams, not just the Coyotes. It's going to be if, if, if yeah. your team, so Vegas fans with Jesse here, when the Coyotes, when the, when the Golden Knights have to axe the next player who makes too much money, it's partially because Arizona is playing at Arizona State. Like that is that at the end of the day, when you have that type of anchor attached to your financial system, it's it needs to be it needs to be cut off and. I wish that there was a solution for because I hate I hate to talk about moving a team, but I wish there was a solution. But I just don't see a solution where you get that done when there's such a dire time for the league right now. Anyway, when there are options that you could work and, and kind of fix revenues going forward right now. That's awesome. That's good well stuff, said. Sean. Um, yeah, really appreciate the insight. And uh, when we come back, we're gonna go take to Twitter where we asked you about the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal Canadiens and Twitter always a good combo. We'll talk about I that when we come it. back. Don't I know it? Google Docs, Slack, Canva, Teams. You're right across multiple platforms and places during your workday. So delivering consistent, high quality communication everywhere is key. Grammarly is an AI writing partner that helps you get work done faster with high-quality writing for better projects, proposals, presentations, and more. Best of all, Grammarly works where you work, so you can get more done no matter what tools you use. Grammarly helps me personally when I'm writing a description for a podcast or when I'm filling out a rundown for a show. It helps me avoid making grammatical errors, spelling mistakes, and just generally makes things easier in my day. 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing. Tone suggestions, even help you navigate the most difficult work conversations. By the way, Grammarly is the gold standard of responsible AI with 15 years of best-in-class communication trusted by tens of millions of professionals and IT departments. Get AI writing support that works where you work. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said done looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human in customer service anytime sounds like a real game changer if you ask us make the right call and get the service you deserve with discover limitations apply See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. So Sarah took to Twitter. She asked, uh, solicited advice, um, I guess is what you can call it. If you were the GM of the Habs, what would you do? And Sarah, the responses were as good as we expected. Yeah, there are a few. We'll, we'll get into some of them in more detail, but probably cry, to be honest, is one. Uh, one said, I would say, wow, I'm the GM of a hockey team. Who in their right mind would let this happen? As I said, Nick Suzuki to Detroit for Danny the Kaiser, Chase Pearson, his seventh round pick. Um, a lot of quits, but one from Cowgirl Bebop said, do just enough to get fired, but not for cause so I could cash out on the beach somewhere. So that's the best version of the quit. 
response. <laughs> and and the best and the best thing for the bet one of the best things you can do for a media career is to be a failed GM. You fail yeah. the GM and any <laughs> panel will call you and you will get a job. It is a trim that person you can on lie, that. too. Peter <laughs> McGuire and the Whalers revisionist history, I'm telling you. All right. Um, oh, here's a good one from Rivard NHL. Send Caulfield down to the AHL to develop slash keep his confidence up. Start fielding calls on everyone. Avoid the contract of the 2021 first round pick. Try to poach try to poach a few bad contracts from Vegas for picks. Refocus efforts on player development, especially with first round picks. I think that's like a fair, honest answer there. What do you guys think? It's a it's a person with good vision who just needs kind of like the um, the people around them to help with the exacts of how that can do. Because I I immediately had I immediately was doing the assistant GM thing in my head of being like that's not against the rules and that's not against the rules and that's not against the rules. But the person has a good vision. The person has a really good vision um, of of how to uh, at least start attacking things. Yeah, I think it. And, and I think the poaching contracts from Vegas, like I, the way, not just Vegas either, the way the NHL is set up, like we, I mentioned earlier with all these teams pressed against the salary cap, if I'm a team that's rebuilding, I am open for business in terms of I will take on your contracts for picks. This is probably the best climate for doing that than, than we've ever seen in the NHL. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that person's on the right track. Yeah, you got to kind of go down that road. I totally agree. All right. Um... A lot of people are saying analytics, higher analytics people. Are there not a lot of analytics people in the Habs front office that we know of? I haven't looked at the... Um, <laughs> hey Shea on Twitter's always got her little oh, yeah. chart with all the analytics people. And I noted like Seattle's is like... The, they've got the logo next to them and Seattle's is like gigantic. They've got half the analytics people in the NHL work for the Kraken. Mm -hmm. I don't remember off the top of my head whether or not Montreal has analytics people. I um, I think they're promising to build an analytics department. So maybe get the, that's what one person said. So get the show on the road there for sure. This is the time to kind of build up things around the team, not the team itself. Yeah. I mean, the analytics question always feels like a landmine too, because if you, you go and you, either, either way you kind of run into debates, but either, I mean, you're not going to like, look at, Sorry, they're not going to change everything in one day. That's the thing people don't realize. We're going to say sorry. No, and and, and Arizona and Montreal. Sorry, Arizona's on the mind. Uh, Montreal. <laughs> um, Montreal. Yeah, you sh that's an obvious one that you should you should go and build up your analytic department. Every all thirty two NHL teams should be building up their analytics department. You want this is hockey. Running a hockey team is an information business, and if why wouldn't that's that's why if you and that's why the teams that are richer are able to go and hire 50,000 scouts and they're able to hire 15, 50 person analytics staffs because the more data you have, the more informed decisions you can make. So it's, yeah, I don't think any NHL, and that's the thing too, I don't think any NHL team doesn't have an analytics department right now. It's all about whether the person at the top believes what the analytics department says. So this goes back 100%. to the person who's saying, I'm hiring this analytics department. Okay. Are you going to listen to them? That's on you. Twitter user, whoever you are. <laughs> right. That's 100%. You nailed it. Every team, every hockey team has super smart people putting together all these numbers. And then some of them have a guy that's above that person ignoring it. That's super frustrating. All right. We might end it on this one because it brings up an interesting thing at the end from Pun Master Rifkin. Blow it up. Everyone not named Caulfield and Suzuki are on the table. Even explore the idea of trading price in the offseason. What do we think about that? I think it's, I mean, if you're rebuilding, that's the right thing to do. Like, it, like if this team was, was close and they thought they were going to get some guys back, it's like, hold on to carry price because that you're not making the Stanley cup final like they did last year without that guy. But if you are blowing everything up, like that person said, and you're just keeping Suzuki and Caulfield, I think carry price is not going to help you win anything with that core because by the time they're ready, he's going to be too old. So I think that would be an easy one. If you can find someone to take on that contract. Who's the, there's the old, whether it was, a, I can't remember what other sport, I can't remember the old cliche of it. It's, it's better to trade someone a year too early than five years too late. Exactly. Like, I, I truly I believe. Bill I, I Belichick, truly, maybe? I don't remember who it is, but I truly believe that's for Montreal. You made that up. Have you, then give me credit, everyone. If I made it up, give me credit for <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. Well, I'll take all the credit. This is a Sean Shapiro uh, special. I'll take all credit for it, even though I definitely did not make that up. Um, but <laughs> I think that's where Montreal is headed with Carey Price. Like, just truthfully, like, he's 34. We've seen what happened. Goalies do not age as well as they used to, like because of how goalie, how aggressively goalies play against the post. Their bodies are going through so much more wear and tear now. Ben Bishop 
uh, two and a half years ago was a Vesna Trophy finalist and his career is over because his body couldn't hold up. And so I look at the Carey Price deal and are the Canadians a Stanley Cup contender next year? No. So it's, you have no, to me, you're going to be stuck with a 10 million, 10 and a half, 10, 10 million dollar contract yeah. against the cap with the cap staying flat during a rebuild. You're almost at a point where I don't know what the cap hit capture is, but like you're almost at a point where I almost buy Carey Price out. Like seriously, like I would buy Carey Price out because there's no, there's he's you're not going to win the cup next year. You're not going to be able to trade ten million dollars. So maybe you're at a point where I you buy him out and you you move on. Like it's you don't are Carey if say the Canadians are building for a contender. What are what are they logis- logistically logistically a playoff or Stanley Cup contender? Four years now, okay. Carey Price is 38, 39 years old at that point, and hopefully you found another goalie by that point. So I would. Moving on from Carey Price, it's it's something that it, people would not like it. I understand that it would it would hurt, but if you're trying to actually win with this team in the next six years, I don't see how you do it carrying that cap hit on an aging goalie. I just don't see it. I have a I have one small rebuttal. I guess would be I would not buy him out. Um, well, I, I think I'd have to see the buyout calculator to see right, what it right, is exactly. Right. So I may be going over over the top on the buyout calculator. But my point is, carry price is available if I'm the GM. I think, yeah, I think to, just to me, like my one small like devil's advocate to keeping carry price, like if if you can't get anything for him, if you if you call around the league and it's like you can't, nobody wants, nobody can take that contract. Like there are a bunch of GMs that would love him to play goalie for their team, but we just simply can't do it. I think there is a benefit to keeping him around for a rebuild, if assuming he's all right with it, and like one. You said people aren't going to be happy when you trade Carey Price. I think it would do it would go a long way towards like soothing the fan base of like we're still keeping this guy. He's going to retire a, a Montreal Canadian. And I also think when you're rebuilding and and you're going through some struggles, having a a goalie as good as Carey Price and a leader and a person as good as Carey Price kind of holding the ship down. I think he could I think he could help keep the culture good and and like I think there are things that he could do even on a losing team that's trying to rebuild that's playing young players. I think having a guy like Carey Price that's that sturdy back there in net could have possible He's not going to help him win win games and win the cup when they're actually like when these players have developed, but I do think there are some small benefits to keeping around a Hall of Fame goalie like that. And then I, and I, yes, and I, I like that. I will say just before we <laughs> immediately get, sorry, just before we get the responses of Sean, you didn't look at the cap at calculator. I did. So the buyout option, I'm taking the buyout option because it only saves them a million dollars a year if to do the buyout thing. Oh, brutal. But, oh. but going back <laughs> yeah, to the yeah. trade thing, I, 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 carry. I, I, yeah. I'm all aboard on the trade thing though. So, sorry, yeah. Sarah. Yes. I like the trade thing and I, you're totally fine, but I would say. It's not like a flurry situation either where you're kind of betraying him on a team that was going to win the cup. It's kind of, you can have a conversation with Carey Price where you're like, okay, we're going to send you to a good team for an opportunity to win the cup or we're going to keep you here because we love you. But it's not a slap in the face to him, really. Right. Awesome. Thank you, Twitter. Um, that was that was good stuff. It's always getting Canadians and Twitter combined. It's always, it's always uh, interesting and fun. Um, Sarah, what are you working on this week? Uh, good question. God, the Canes keep having four games in six days. And I'm like, should I write now? Should I write now? I think I'm gonna, if they lose against Boston tomorrow, I'm gonna ask, do a little, are they, shall we panic or shall we not type story? We got some trade deadline things coming up, might have a conversation with Donnie Waddell and I have something coming up with Sean. Sean, what are we working on? <laughs> oh, yes, another Jersey draft. We have uh, we've cornered the market oh. on Jersey drafts. The uh, I don't I don't know <laughs> yeah, what day real. that will publish, but it will happen today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, it's, the the Jersey draft is going down today. The draft is today. The draft is exciting today. stuff. Draft exciting is today. stuff. Behind closed doors. Behind closed doors. So we uh, <laughs> just like how NHL GMs wished the expansion draft had been before. But uh, I was going to so say, is Sarah Volley going to leak this all of it today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesse, what are you working on? I I've got some good stuff in the like you said trade deadline coming up. The Golden Knights are obviously there. That's I, I held a live Q and A yesterday, and it was just. 50 questions about the trade deadline. So obviously this team is going to be busy. I've got some stuff going on with that. Also working on a cool story on Alex Petrangelo and kind of him being the the team dad of sorts. He's he's become a leader on this team despite not being the captain. Obviously he was a captain in St. Louis. Um, I have some good stories from some of the young defensemen about kind of how Alex Petrangelo is around the scenes uh, helping those guys develop. So excited about that. Um, awesome stuff today, guys. Thanks for joining us, Sean. 
Yeah. Does Alex Petrangelo give the team rides in his Honda? <laughs> yeah, that, um, he for sure drives a Honda um, back and forth to practice. It's definitely not a car that's more expensive than that. Um, Alex, <laughs> Alex Petrangelo of the NHL. Clearly should have. And, and you know what? If he had driven a, just driven a Honda onto the ice during the Honda All-Star Classic instead of whatever junk he did do during that breakaway thing, he should have actually won. But yeah, <laughs> that, that voting was Something an absolute disaster. <laughs> yeah. And he missed the net. Yes, he did. Well, uh. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We've got all kinds of good stuff across the Athletic Hockey Show, um, all the different days. Hockey Hall of Famer Cami Granado joined Craig Custance and Sean Gentili on their U- Athletic Hockey Show USA. And you can also check out Arthur Staples' new Rangers podcast, The Garden Faithful. This week, his guest is Dominic Moore. Um, thanks for listening to the Athletic Hockey Show. P- Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and don't forget to leave a rating and a review. You can subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from the entire network. This week, it's Ian Mendez and Julian McKenzie who provide bonus content for subscribers. To hear it, you can start a 30-day free trial, then just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, you can get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just $3.99 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. The Athletic Hockey Show continues Thursday with Ian Mendez and Down Goes Brown. For Sarah and Sean, I'm Jesse. See you next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.